0: The gunman who killed 18 people Wednesday evening continues. Joining me here on The Hill today, Mick Mulvaney, former Trump White House chief of staff and News Nation political and economic contributor. Julia Manchester, national political reporter for The Hill. Kevin Walling is a former campaign surrogate for the Biden Harris team. And Denise Gitsum, a former aide to President George W. Bush. Hello to you all. Of course, we uh, await this news conference to begin momentarily in Maine. We begin with uh, Alex Capriello, who is live for us on the ground. Once again, Laura Ingel standing by as well. Uh, we might have to jump in here because we are expecting this news conference any moment. So apologies in advance if I do. But, Alex, over to you first.
1: Yeah, look, the manhunt for... A Murder suspect Robert Card still very much active. That includes right here by the river. We were told earlier this morning at the first press conference of the day that this was going to be a main focus of their operation to search this waterway. And the reason why it's important is because just a little bit that way where you see those law enforcement vehicles, that is the boat slip where Card's car was found uh, on Wednesday evening. And so they know that this is a possibility that if he ditched his car here, he could have taken off on foot, he could have gone into the water. Obviously, this is a major effort from law enforcement because they're using multiple assets. We're looking at choppers up in the air, sonar equipment, robots, SWAT teams, dive teams, they're all here, and they've been doing their work since just this morning. About 10 a.m. this morning is when they first began. We're beginning to see things die down a little bit. We don't know if they're going to call off this water search or if it's going to continue for multiple days, but obviously, again, it's not just right here by the water. This manhunt is going all throughout this area, throughout multiple counties here in Maine, with multiple assets also on foot, combing through the woods. We've been looking, trying to find where those crews are, but they've been keeping it very quiet. Obviously, they don't want a major tip to blow an operation of a search warrant execution. However, we have heard that other search warrants have been executed all across this county, and we are trying to find out when and where that suspect could be found.
0: Alex Capriello live for us on the ground. Once again, Alex, thank you. Over now to Laura Ingle. Uh, as we await this news conference with law enforcement authorities uh, in Maine, you have been talking to residents. I hear Laura, uh, Laura, what are they telling you? And what are you hearing? What are you seeing?
2: Yeah, you know, it's been a very tense situation all day long, as Alex described there. Uh, you know, we were actually where he was over by that boat launch area earlier today when we saw a swarm of SWAT officers tearing down the road, going across the bridge over the river, uh, going over to Durham. So we took a safe follow of them and ended up on a dirt road where there were the U.S. Marshals, the FBI, the ATF uh, going into a heavily wooded area. And we've seen this scene sort of repeat itself over and over over again, We've heard about these tips. Obviously, they're taking them very seriously. What you see here behind me is the command center. And this is where we're seeing all of that heavy equipment. The Bearcats, um, we see four wheelers, uh, all of law enforcement seems to be staging here. And really, at any given moment, uh, we hear sirens. We see people taking off every which way. Uh, we can't chase them all, but we know that they are very active in this. And as far as those residents go, you know, we were talking to a woman who lives right next door to where that scene was today in Durham, where they were law enforcement were going through the backyard and into the woods. And we went into her backyard and looked through her woods. And you could tell just how densely populated it is with trees and rocks and boulders. It is very difficult to even see through that. So you can imagine the task at hand. And she had asked the officers, look, am I safe to... Have a fire pit tonight. Those are the kind of questions that are going on. It's a beautiful fall uh, season right now. And then you've got the tourists that that came here uh, that are here for looking at the fall trees. So everybody's trying to stay safe. We've seen people locked down, but we're starting to see a little bit more and more of people coming out and talking to each other. Residents um, talking about how they're going to kind of navigate this weekend, uh, these next few hours, if you will, uh, as we watch law enforcement uh, zipping around this area on this manhunt. Like
0: Laura Ingle, live for us in Maine. Laura, uh, thank you so much. So th- this press conference, we anticipate to start really any moment now, getting an update uh, from authorities there as it relates to the search. Uh, this is a live look right now. Um, I-, I don't believe they've actually started just yet. We anticipate this any moment now. There is a little bit of a tech issue, believe it or not, there in Lewiston. But, uh, Denise, you know the area well. Um, Tell us about, uh, you know, folks that you've been talking to there the last 48 hours.
3: Yeah, well, my college, Bowdoin College, canceled um, their festivities for Family Weekend. Um, all of the athletic events between Bowdoin, Bates, and Colby are sort of rivalry in Maine have been canceled. I think people are expecting this to, I mean, they're, they're being patient about how long it's going to take because they put the safety of the students first and foremost, and I think that's exactly what they should be doing. But people are still in a state of shock. I mean, this is something that you never see happen in Maine, and I pray that we never do again.
0: Yeah. Um, Again, Lewiston, Maine, live pictures, expecting an update uh, here momentarily. We were here, Kevin and Mick, yesterday and and Denise watching this all live, and it sounded like, or we thought, that the FBI had, had found this guy and here we are 24 hours later, and I'm not sure we're any closer
4: to it. Yeah, especially with Alex's reporting on the ground uh, yesterday, as you referenced. Uh, like, it's a real balancing act uh, in terms of what we're seeing, right? The public's need to know. Uh, we're, we're hungry for that information, especially those folks affected in that area. And then it's clear that the assailant, the, the suspect... Uh, has some skills when it comes to survival, when it comes to uh, his military training. Uh, and uh, the idea of not wanting to tip him off as part of releasing this information uh, to the public, it's this really, we saw in, at this morning's press conference, there's this desire to want to know more. Uh, and, and this idea that they, they might actually be holding things back because, again, they don't want to tip him off. We were told that President Biden was briefed today by the FBI Director
0: Christopher Wray. I, I know, obviously, you weren't in that meeting, but what does something like that entail? Uh, Exactly
5: what you would expect. Uh, The president's going to get one thing that nobody else gets, which is he'll get unfiltered information the rest of us get information through here through newspapers through whatever it's always going to come through a filter the president of the united states and that whole team inside the white house gets the stuff that is completely unedited they get all the data they can possibly get and that's that's kind of neat it's a great place about great thing about being in the job but it's it it is also reassuring to know that that the extent the white house needs to make decisions they're making those decisions based upon the best information available how
0: often does an fbi director get brought in
5: Oh, uh, it depends. I mean, it, it's completely appropriate here. My right. guess is they'll be in regular communication. Uh He might come in. He might talk on the phone, but this would be a regular communication. We talked yesterday about... What a hectic time it must be yeah. in the White House because as soon as they hang up the phone to talk about Maine, they're on the phone or talking the about what's East happening overseas. Yeah, so right. there's no rest now.
6: It was interesting watching the different networks because so many networks like News Nation have someone on the ground in Israel or by Gaza, and then, of course, we have this happening here. Um, and I think this has opened the door to criticism from Democrats and pro-gun control advocates who normally after these mass shootings, you know, you hear these calls for firearms restrictions brought up again. You kind of almost forget about it um, and it goes away. So we'll see that debate over what is the cause for these mass shootings.
0: Let's listen in now. uh, Lewiston, Maine, authorities with the latest update.
7: Uh, For starters, uh, let me just say, for the consideration of the four deaf victims and their family, we are requesting that the AS, ASL interpreter is in all frames for language access here in Maine and the U.S. They are grieving and have a right to know the latest info in ASL. You can see we've changed this a, a little bit, the, kind of the setup from earlier today. Uh, and again, as we continue to evolve, right, lots of podiums, we've got to lost our maps. The whole thing was a little bit of a mess, uh, earlier to be quite honest. And, uh, and our victims in this investigation, and the people that are doing the work, uh, deserve better than that. So, uh, I would also tell you that we're kind of looking for a larger venue as well. Uh, the chains here and everything else seems to work. Uh, we're going to use some technology, um, for, um, some pictures here, uh, right off the bat. So, um, I would say that, uh, again, thank you for joining us. It's been a busy day uh, for our law enforcement officers and our partners uh, around the state. Uh, I'm going to give some updates uh, from what we found. But the real primary reason I wanted to bring uh, you back in today uh, was we wanted to really identify the victims um, and uh, show their pictures. Uh, we won't get into uh, family backgrounds and, and um, their lineage at all, but we do want to show uh, those pictures give uh, ages. I would say that uh, the families didn't want hometowns uh, listed. Uh, They do uh, certainly uh, deserve and want some privacy uh, around these issues, which makes complete sense. Uh, And uh, we're going to start with that uh, component of our information simply because that's why we're here, right? Uh, This is about the victims. Uh, That's why we do what we do. And that's why we're striving so hard. And that's why you're here, uh, because you care about them as well. So... uh, We're going to go ahead and load that um, behind us here on the screen. And I think uh, Shannon Moss can also put that information out uh, following this. Some specifics here, uh, I would just like to note that the families actually uh, approved these photos, uh, sent these photos in to us uh, for a lot of different reasons. I think some of them show uh, a little of their character, a little of their relationships, uh, and uh, some other specifics, you'll just see again a picture, a name, uh, an age, and then there's a couple symbols there. And we wanted to be specific enough to to what location uh, they ultimately uh, lost their lives at. Um, and again, thank the families for allowing us to even do this. They certainly didn't need to do that. Um, they're working through their own um, struggles, uh, and rightfully so. So I'm going to start with this and then... Uh, ask for just a a moment of silence before we continue on uh, to our next uh, agenda item Uh, but that uh, top left as you see it and that is Ronald G. Morin 55 and I won't read uh, the venues you can can put that all together yourself Uh, Peyton Brewer Ross 40 years of age Joshua A. Seal 36 years of age Brian M. McFarlane, 41 years of age. Joseph Lawrence Walker, 57. Arthur Fred Strout, 42. Max A. Hathaway, 35. Stephen M. Vozella, 45. Thomas Ryan Conrad, 34. Michael R. Deloria II, 51. Jason Adam Walker, 51. Tricia C. Asselin, 53. William A. Young, 44. Aaron Young, 14, his son. Robert E. Violette, 76, and his wife, Lucille M. Violette, 73. William Frank Brackett, 48 years of age. Keith D. McNair, 64. Just have a moment of silence. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Truly, truly appreciate it. And we do, again, uh, appreciate that to the family. Um, They did give us those photos. I did not, however, um, have any of the family members pronounce any of those last names, so certainly no disrespect intended if uh, in any way uh, screwed up the pronunciation. So to move on, uh, I would also like to address the numbers of the victims that that I confirmed earlier today with uh, the number 8. Uh, and i will tell you that's miscommunication on my part i was wrong Uh, in talking to our detectives uh, we had uh, a list for people that had been identified and family members that had been notified it's also a separate list that involved uh, family advocacy and whether or not they had been plugged into that so the reality here is that all 18 of those victims everybody that we listed here today everybody has been identified and their families have been notified. So we are in contact with them. I would expect some more information uh, later tonight, and um, I'll definitely talk about it tomorrow morning at 10, reference to uh, Family Information Center, a new location, and some material around that, exactly what services will be available uh, at that particular time. But I definitely wanted to make sure that I correct uh, that mistake uh, from earlier. So several other updates um, from Uh, this morning's briefing. I know that uh, Shannon has sent along the aerial maps uh, that we showed uh, or tried to show here on the board, uh, so you have received those. Uh, I also think that we had, uh, and Shannon has corrected this as well, but the Pajub Scott boat ramp, the proper name there, was the Paper Mills Trail and Miller Park Boat Launch. The address was correct at 501 Lisbon Street. The jump scout is a little bit further down uh, the river, apparently, and we certainly like uh, and appreciate everybody uh, working with us to make sure that we had the the proper location, the proper terminology uh, for that. Uh, And other additional uh, updates, the boat launch search uh, of the river, the Androscoggin, they're still out there uh, right now, and they'll be there as long as they can uh, based on the light. Uh, And as we mentioned earlier, we're talking about sonars and grid searches and things of that nature. That's time intensive. It's taken them a while to work through there. They want to make sure they do it right. Um, So we're not going to finish that search this evening. I would be surprised if you ever saw divers in the water overall. Uh, But tomorrow we'll have additional dive resources available to us uh, from out-of-state as well as some additional in-state teams. Um, So, again, we'll discuss that a little bit at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, But no surprises. We expect that to go over and uh, that we'll have some assets there tomorrow. They did a bunch of flyovers this morning, as I mentioned. They did the sonar searches, some side, some ROV, um, and uh, we'll be back on that tomorrow. The the bar scene itself, um, they continue to do uh, their uh, on-scene investigation there as well as at the bowling alley. Uh, They did check those wood lines. Uh, They may be back in there tomorrow as well, uh, but that is progressing as expected. And I think uh, another major piece uh, of updates uh, for you uh, now is to talk about the shelter-in-place order and where that's going uh, effective immediately. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a big reader of orders, but I think this is important that you hear this directly from um, a couple different sources. We're going to put out a release. There's going to be a cell phone Uh, Geo-fence released to some folks. Uh, We've used that a couple times already uh, during the active shooter as a warning and otherwise. But the shelter-in-place order is rescinded, except hunting is prohibited in the towns of Lewiston, Lisbon, Bowdoin, and Monmouth, beginning Saturday, 10-28-24, until further notice. The state police continue to search in Lewiston, Lisbon, Bowdoin, and Monmouth for the suspect, Robert Carr, and recommend individuals remain vigilant. Businesses may choose to open or remain closed. Uh, Commissioner Camuso from IFNW is here to help us answer any additional questions about that hunting piece. Um, It was asked this morning, uh, and it was a good question, and I told you at that time that we were working on an answer for that. Uh, And what that means is that uh, the general shelter-in-place has been rescinded. Specifically, hunting, again, is prohibited in those four towns and those four towns only. And it's important that I mention that because the rest of the state is allowed to continue with their resident-only day uh, on Saturday, tomorrow. And what does that mean? That means that there are going to be communities that hear gunshots from time to time because they're going to be hunting. Um, So we would ask everybody to use caution in that and not think that every one of those gunshots is directly uh, regarding this particular crisis situation, this investigation. So clearly, if they think... If they're suspicious, if they're concerned, they can certainly call their local agencies. But I would ask them to think about that, where they're located, um, when do they hear that, if they're 150 miles north, do they need to call their 911 center and and create a response? Um, And I think I would say no to that, unless they have another set of facts, a fact pattern that would believe them that there's a direct connection between that gunfire and what they've heard uh, to this point. So... We had mentioned why we made that decision initially, because of the crisis and the situation that we had. Uh, those four towns in, in particular, clearly with Lewiston uh, and the two uh, tragic situations here, the two locations we've already talked about. Uh, and then you have Lisbon, Lisbon with the boat launch, Bowdoin where the suspect live, In Monmouth there's other family connections in that particular area as well. So this is not to say... Um, that uh, the crisis is over, the emergency is done, uh, we can go about our lives as life is good. We want our folks, we want our residents to remain vigilant and to pay attention to what we, what we share for information. I, again, focus on what we share as in the Department of Public Safety in the city of Lewiston, uh, because we continue to see a lot of information from a lot of different places uh, that is far from accurate. I would also say in that regard... Um, When we say that we're going to meet you here at 10, we're going to meet you here at 10. And when we say we're going to notify you, we are going to notify you in the afternoon if we're going to get together and what time that is. Um, I just encourage you to to believe that until I prove you wrong. Uh, And I won't. Uh, And I say that because we've heard some other stuff. There's going to be a press conference at 1 o'clock. Um, and then our PIO, who's incredibly busy, gets 100 emails that says, is it going to be 1 o'clock or is it going to be this? Uh, And you've got a job to do, I get it, and we're trying to help you do your job, and if you could help us do our job, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. So that is uh, some of those uh, pieces for updates from what we uh, worked on this morning. A couple of additional things, Um, neighborhood canvases as an example, I did not speak to that, Uh, so we talked about large Um, deployments of officers in various locations, what would that look like? Um, Neighborhood canvases could be a couple of officers knocking on a door. And uh, that's going to be happening at various locations uh, around this particular area in multiple towns. Again, if somebody's using their own uh, common sense and they say that doesn't seem right, then sure, call. Uh, But you could have two uniformed officers or two officers with clearly displayed badges jumping out of a marked car to come talk to you as detectives. There was a question this morning around arrival times at the two locations, and we had done some research uh, on that, uh, which was hot off the presses uh, walking out the door to come here today. Uh, so spare time, as we had mentioned earlier, that initial 911 call was uh, occurred at 6.56 p.m. And by the CAD system, or the computer-aided dispatch system, so somebody calls in on a radio and they says, now I'm out at that location. The first officer, the first Lewiston officer arrived based on that system at 7 p.m., so four minutes later. The reality there, however, is that there were four plainclothes police officers that were shooting on the range in that general area. They hear that call come in, and they're walking into the, into the bar, and, uh, or rather the bowling alley, in about a minute and a half. Um, So they don't have radios, they weren't in uniform, they hear it as they're at the range, they respond to the address immediately, and then they address the threat and and clear the building. For that same location, right, spare time, as an example, you have Lewiston, it's a self-contained police department, they work with everybody, so it's not uncommon to see the main state police in town, but they don't have specific areas to patrol. Calls came in to dispatch centers for the Department of Public Safety that would control... Uh, the Maine State Police has an example, at 6.57, so a minute-ish later. And we didn't have necessarily troopers right inside the town, so 11 minutes later our first trooper arrives, which is not uncommon, actually, and that's a pretty good response time, considering it's an urban atmosphere and troopers aren't here. The second set of calls, as we've discussed, came in at 7.08. So this is the bar and grill. And the first Lewiston officer is responding there at 19.13 or 7.13 p.m., so five minutes later. And then, really, it becomes exponential after that, as an example. I should have mentioned this earlier, but spare time, uh, a minute after those initial officers respond, eight more are there. Now we're saying now everybody's starting to roll in about the same time, and about ten officers are responding to the bar and grill immediately thereafter. you got the first folks, and then people are just showing up from the police department and other locations. And that particular uh, call for service for the Maine State Police through Department of Public Safety dispatches, we got that second call at uh, 7.10, about two minutes later than the Lewiston Center received it, and we had officers responding and arriving three minutes later. So why is that? They're already flying to the first address, and now we got a second call, and now they're diverting to that second call. So it's obviously going to – they're in town, uh, and they're running hard to that location. So those are the arrival times um, that I was asked about earlier today. I think based on uh, the list that I made this morning, I think that's all we had for information. Um, And I'll just call that kind of updates and follow-ups, things that uh, I knew you were asking. There were some additional questions from the general public, um, which has been good for us to receive those through these. Right, They get a chance to see stuff, and then they reach out and say, what does this mean? We had a, a bunch of people reach out about that shelter in place, and what does that mean, and what should I do, and what does that look like? Um, And rather than answer those, uh, through conversations with city staff, city leadership, um, police chiefs, we decided to rescind that order again, um, but recommend that people remain vigilant as they move forward. So I do appreciate them reaching out, and uh, all of that contact has something to do with our ultimate decision. You know, where do we go from here? So with that in mind, um, that's the information that I was asked uh, and, and the information that I can update uh, we do have, I believe, the suspect picture up here as, a, as, another, uh, as another piece. And the reason that we did this is because it's been quite some time. We've seen that photo and you have a bunch of different photos. This, in fact, has more of the physical description of his height and weight um, and his more official hair and eye color. Um, You could guess at that based on some of the photos that you see, but why do that if we can directly uh, give you that information? So if you could freshen up any uh, material that you have there, uh, it it does, again, show that brown hooded sweatshirt and dark colored cargo pants that are in the photo that we had released earlier, which showed him walking in uh, to spare time uh, with that firearm. So I think that's the information that I wanted to, uh, to get out to you today. I appreciate you coming back or holding on. I know you you have long days and long nights, um, so that piece uh, you were going to be around anyway, I'm sure. But I am again happy to try to take some questions and answers. Uh, the chief is here as well, uh, but we did want to keep this tight as a, from an operational standpoint. So, so I want to yes, sir. To the, go back to the yeah. So, four officers were at the train, I think,
0: Right.
7: So, can you just go over that again? Just like, see Yeah. That sure. So. Officers are required to, to qualify a certain number of times a year, right? So in this particular instance, uh, the officers are in plain clothes. They're shooting out of range right around the corner. The call comes in. They hear that, and they're going to respond, which just speaks to when these things happen, everybody's going. You could be a detective. The chief's bailing out of the station. You could be wherever. Everybody goes. So being Lewiston officers, they go, That's we know where that is. Everybody gets in the car, and they immediately go, uh, to spare time, to, to help in any way they can, not knowing that, in fact, they're going to be the closest there and the first out. So that cuts almost two and a half minutes off the original or the initial uh, uniform police officer's response. And that's not uncommon from a police standpoint. Sometimes you got months where you're thinking, boy, I'm right around the corner when all this stuff happens. And sometimes there's, I'm on the other side of the city when other stuff happens. We're very, very lucky that the officers were that close because I think you save lives with time responses. Um, and in an urban atmosphere, depending on where everybody is and how busy the night is, um, that response could have been much longer than that. Sir, yes, sir. There, have there been any credible sightings of the suspect by either law enforcement or the public since the shooting took place? Yes, yeah, so we have, again, 530-plus uh, uh, tips and leads that have come in. Um, some of those have been sightings. Some of those have been... Um, it, and I would say as simple as, but, hey, I've got a vacant house that's in this location. I own a barn that I'm afraid to go to. Uh, there's something over here that concerns me. So those things run the gamut. Um, and I'm also going to use that opportunity to uh, the FBI supervisory agent in charge, uh, Jody Cohen, who has been uh, with us during these press conferences, we gave that digital video information out this morning. There's already well over 100 entries in that system. So that means you're putting that information out, and the general public is grabbing hold of that, wanting to be involved, and sending that information in. Uh, So I thank you for that, and we certainly thank the FBI for their assistance with that kind of material. So we've got all kinds of, If somebody may say, somebody... Has law enforcement seen him in the last two days? uh, We have not. Uh, Law enforcement has not seen him in the last uh, two days. Uh, But again in that stack of that 500 plus, you may have somebody that says, Hey, we see somebody that looks like that. Um, so we have not, but go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, I cannot. And I'm not going to speak to the, to the note itself. Uh, I acknowledge the fact that a note existed this morning, but I'm not going to get into exactly what it contained, but sir. Sure. When I say address the threat, they're going in the door uh, addressing an active shooter. So they're going in uh, prepared to do whatever they need to do uh, to make that scene safe. On that particular time, the suspect is no longer there. They're going in as if they were. So the first thing you do is you go in and clear that uh, location, make sure it's safe, and then you start working with victims and triaging people and trying to make sure that you're getting additional units uh, there as fast as possible. So, yes, sir. Yeah, sure. So uh, the suspect was not at the second location when the officers arrived. Um, as we discussed this morning, we showed those three maps as specific areas we, we knew we were definitely going to be working in. Uh, and then we've also cleared other, other areas that are farther afield. Somebody may again say, you know, there's a barn over there. There's an outbuilding over there. Um, there's some family property that somebody's uncle owns. And can you check that? So as those things come in, some of those are kind of on the checklist to begin with. And then some come in real time. Because as those leads come in, we do look at those and then we farm them back out to either tactical units that are looking on that apprehension side or investigative units that can go out and do additional interviews. Well, at this point, uh, you know, we are cognizant of all possibilities. Uh, We're not closing off anything um, because we want to make sure that we're being uh, as comprehensive as we can with these particular searches. Yes, ma'am? In what town? Durham. Okay, yeah. So, And uh, that's, a, that's a situation where uh, we did – I heard that on the radio. Somebody had reached out to say that they may – somebody may ask that question today. So we did look at that. There was a location there um, on, a, on a street in Durham uh, where there were two 911 hang-up calls. 911 hang-up calls happen on a regular basis. Depending on where they are, you may go, okay, wait a second. And then we had a second call. And then there was a sheriff's deputy that responded to the scene and then ultimately did not answer their radio, right? So you go 911, hang up, 911, hang up. Okay, wait a second. The officer that responded is not talking. That could be for a lot of different reasons. Again, based on the circumstances, we're certainly concerned about something like that. So officers did respond, make sure uh, that he was safe, the scene was safe, and they moved on. So there was no uh, direct connection to the suspect in this scenario, um, at least in today's call for service. Yes, sir.
0: All right, we've been listening in in Lewiston, Maine, law enforcement there, uh, or at least authorities uh, in Maine, giving an update as to the manhunt. And really, for the residents on the ground there, we now know that the shelter-in-place in in Lewiston, Maine, and three other surrounding areas has been lifted, though they are urging uh, people who live in that area not to hunt this weekend, though they did say uh, folks throughout the state of Maine can hunt this weekend. But also warn folks, if you hear gunshots... It might be because of the hunting and not be because of something else. We also uh, saw the pictures of the 18 victims, 14 to 76 years old, a father and a son, a husband and a wife. And it is gut-wrenching to see those pictures. It
3: really is. I think the story, that I was reading some of the stories of these heroes and victims, and the one that really struck me was of the manager of the bar and grill who grabbed a butcher's knife and went straight at the shooter, which that is just, you know, the Bible says, greater love has no man than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. And to me, when you're willing to sacrifice your life to save strangers, it's just... It's the best and worst of humanity juxtaposed at the very same moment. Yeah.
0: Authorities there in Maine also say they have not seen Robert Card in the 48 hours since the shooting. News Nation, we'll be right back. We welcome you back in here to The Hill on News Nation. It is midnight in Israel right now, where tonight the Israeli military moved closer to a ground invasion of Gaza after a barrage of airstrikes meant to damage Hamas's defense. News Nation's Robert Sherman, live for us in Tel Aviv. Uh, Once again, Robert, it it, it feels like this started to to pick up or escalate here uh, as the day continued to go on.
8: Yeah, and it feels as though that we're already in that escalation mode here, Blake. I mean, that was the big headline coming out of the IDF today, that you were going to see an expansion of the ground operations here. It's already ongoing. We're already seeing the videos coming out now from some of the live feeds of the ramping up of the airstrikes. Uh, Compare that to what we've seen over the last couple of days, for for at least the last two nights. We know that the IDF has put tanks on the ground in the Gaza Strip, boots on the ground, has all been about softening up the Gaza Strip, knocking out Hamas infrastructure and preparing for that next phase, which the prime minister has made abundantly clear is going to be a ground operation. So that has intensified here as well. Here's the other thing that has intensified, the vitriol around the region. We've started to see demonstrations popping up once again on a Friday countries such as Lebanon, but Jordan, just right next to us, you saw huge demonstrations in Amman as people were marching, not just in favor of Palestine and in support of Gaza, but also in support of the annulment of the peace agreement between Israel and Jordan. Again, that is right next door to Israel here. There's a lot of anger around the region right now. Which is the big concern for Israelis here, that there's a feeling that from the people on the ground in Israel that they have to go into Gaza. But the growing anxiety comes from what does the retaliation look like from around the region? That's what people are waiting to see what that's going to look like, Blake.
0: All right. Robert Sherman live for us once again in Tel Aviv. Robert, thank you. So you, you hear Robert reporting there. From Israel's side, and now the Washington Post is reporting the following. The Biden administration is urging Israel to rethink its plans for a major ground offensive in Gaza and instead opt for a more surgical operation using aircraft and special operations forces. And you knew that was coming, right? I mean, that's that's, at least as a Republican, I
5: I was afraid that was coming. It was too good to last that that Biden would support Israel uh, sort of unqualified. Um, that's changing already. My guess it's going to continue to change. It's one of the reasons I wrote the piece this week in The Hill. That there's people in the State Department saying no, 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 no right. every single day. And you're going to
0: continue to see that evolution of our policy, unfortunately. The, the president said in the, in the Rose Garden earlier this week that he wasn't really demanding anything of Benjamin Netanyahu as it related to delaying a ground for a ground invasion, basically saying it's Netanyahu's decision. But can he put his thumb on the scale at the end of the day or, or No.
6: I think he can to an extent. I think Israel depends on the United States so much from a defense perspective. And we are their biggest ally and they're in a very unfriendly neighborhood. So they are sort of at the uh, mercy in a way of the U.S. in that way. But uh, look, it's Israel is and Biden to an extent at the end of the day. I mean, this is obviously a war, but they're also fighting this public relations battle that Israel oftentimes finds itself in where they get attacked. They attack back. But because Israel is, you know, has a stronger military than, you know, say, a Hamas, it's obviously taking more Palestinian casualties. Hamas uses its citizens as human shields, so it's a it's a difficult situation for all sides.
4: Was this inevitable? Uh, I believe so. Obviously, uh, and- disappointed. Uh, am I disappointed? Yeah, if, if this reporting is true. Well, I don't think there's actually any daylight b- between Bibi uh, and the president. I-, I think they're fully on the same page. I think what we're seeing is potentially some of this back-channeling that Bibi has needed in terms of cover to prepare this on-the-ground uh, strike uh, in Gaza. Uh, and the, necessary, you know, the time necessary to prepare that, with Biden saying, delay, delay, this citizen uh, ceasefire kind of thing, uh, uh, in terms of uh, marshalling more resources uh, into Gaza, I think the surest sign that this is happening uh, is the reporting that cellular uh, data, internet data, is now fully cut off uh, in uh, in Gaza. Uh, that's generally something that you see happen when uh, you're going to see some kind of ground attack uh, come about. You know, the Russians tried to uh, attempt that with Ukraine uh, before the invasion there. Uh, so certainly, I think those pieces are are in place for as early as this weekend.
3: You know. Kevin, I hope you're right that there's no daylight to in our countries, but if this is in fact a PR war, as you were saying, Julia, what the president is saying is not helping at all. I think it's so important that we all stay focused on the facts. On October 7th, Hamas came in and the, the terrorists strapped body cams so that they could broadcast to the world how they decimated the people that they took in Israel. If we do not stay crystal clear on who the bad guy is in this situation and we waffle in any way which way, which is what I'm starting to see in the Biden administration right now, we are in deep trouble morally as a country.
0: I, I, just to go back to something that you said, yeah. because you, say, you think it is a sure sign that there's going to be a, a ground invasion. But then we're also hearing that the president might be saying delayed a little bit. That would mean that Netanyahu
4: isn't listening. If, if that, uh, see, I think actually, as I said earlier, I think the president's trying to give Bibi some cover with his own government, with this, uh, the Israeli war cabinet, uh, with to Julia's point, uh, public opinion uh, in uh, in around uh, the world uh, to allow for those uh, resources to be marshaled for this ground invasion. I think they're actually on the same page. Tupac. Like I said, the president is trying to give him some cover, maybe take some of the blame. Uh, for pushing for that citizen uh, ceasefire uh, kind of operation to give BB some cover. There, there has been no daylight. And, and to the point where, you know, the president's losing support within Democrats, especially, you know, Arab and, and Muslim American Democrats because of this, uh, I, I think is, you're, you're seeing this process play out. Do you buy that argument?
5: Yeah, I hadn't considered it, that, 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 that we were giving him cover because the, the Israelis weren't ready for the Gaza. I haven't given that any thought. I mean, but-
4: it's almost like a good cop, bad cop. Situation, I think, to some degree,
5: I, I because did, they're talking every three, four hours. I go back to an interview that and I cannot remember who it is. And I have to look it up during the break. There was an interview with an Israeli leader who said, look, we want to do this, but the Americans won't let us. Um, and that's that's maybe that could be a cover. Yeah. I, get, I get what you're saying. But that
4: it, I would you know. be very surprised if, if Joe Biden was doing and the administration was mm-hmm. signaling this without BB's engagement with his war cabinet. All right. Well, speaking of the president, uh, did you see this? He
0: faces a new primary challenge. The congressman from Minnesota, Dean Phillips, know who he is, (laughs) announces his run for the White House. So who is he? Why now? And can he actually make some noise in the race? That's coming up when The Hill on News Nation returns. All right, welcome here uh, back to The Hill. Today, the Democratic congressman, Dean Phillips, launched a long shot primary campaign against President Biden. I am ready to lead our great nation to a secure and a more prosperous future. I do so not in opposition to President Biden, who has my affection and my gratitude. It is time for the torch to be passed to a new generation of American leaders right here, all around the country and all
8: around the world.
0: The congressman is currently serving his third term. He's a former liquor distillery CEO who... Uh, According to reports, his his net worth is somewhere in the nine figures. He's also one of 22 Jewish Democrats currently in the House of Representatives. He enters the race at a time when the president's popularity among Democrats currently sits at 75 percent, down 11 points in one month. It is now the lowest of his presidency. Joining us now, uh, Elizabeth Vargas. Elizabeth, I hear you just spoke to the congressman a little while ago. Very cool. I'm wondering... Um, after, you know speaking with him what you what you, what you made of it
9: listen he uh, he claims that this is he 's done this after only a lot of thought he knows he has to introduce himself to a national audience um, you know he 's heard what everybody is saying about him he's, people are calling it a long shot a vanity project a state party official in Minnesota called it a midlife crisis. But he's actually got some pretty interesting, serious ideas. He's a centrist. He's a moderate. Uh, he says he's a fan of President Biden. He has voted with them nearly 100 percent of the time while he was in Congress. Uh, but he has been reading the poll numbers. He says he's been reaching yeah. out to other leading mm-hmm. Democrats whose names we do know, like Governor Newsom, Governor Whitmer, uh, Governor Pritzker. Uh, some people wouldn't even take his calls. And he's, he is so panicky, he hmm. says, at the thought of Uh, Joe Biden losing to Donald Trump, which he claims he thinks absolutely will happen, that he's launching a run Mm, of his own. Absolutely will. He said, absolutely, I believe Joe Biden will lose to Donald Trump in November.
0: Does he bring up the age issue?
9: Uh, You know, I asked him about it. I said, are you basically, is it all about age? It clearly is. Um, It clearly is. He's read the polls. He knows that the vast majority of Americans and the vast majority of Democrats are concerned about Joe Biden's age. He, uh, uh, He absolutely concedes that his politics are not substantially different from Biden's, although he does say that he's got a few tweaks that he would do here and there. He really claims he wants to work much harder on the border crisis. I think he sees that as an area where yeah. not just President Biden, but many presidents before him and Congress before, you know, yeah. remember he's, he's in that own body. They have failed to pass any comprehensive yeah. immigration reform. Um, so Elizabeth, it was- Go
0: ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, hang with us here for a few minutes, because it's, it's fascinating to, to hear that from Elizabeth, that he, he, he believes that Joe Biden absolutely will lose. You, you referenced the polling numbers, 75 percent of Democrats. Uh, only have an approval rating positively of the president. That is low. And it's down from September. I was telling him
5: when we we're off the air. That surprises me because he had a really good trip to Israel and a really, really good uh, Oval Office speech. The numbers should come up and it's not. It's going the wrong way. Then you look at the, uh, the, the, the polling data we've got on re- Democrats wanting somebody else. He's in the mid-30s on that. That's, I mean, you can't get arrested at, at, at that kind of number, <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that it's a businessman who sort of looked over his number, looked over the numbers, and said, "Why not?" It, it's sort of like it's a first mover advantage. Maybe Dean Phillips thinks if I'm the first person to actually challenge him, I might be the guy to beat him. I don't think that's how it works out. I think this may be the dam getting ready to break, and hmm. you might see other folks get in here very quickly. Very briefly, I'll close up with by saying this: Cory Booker is coming to South Carolina to a big, Ooh. big Democrat event uh, okay. early next month. And it's still, uh, it's Hmm. actually now the first Democrat state. Hmm.
6: Elizabeth, it's Julia Manchester. I wanted to get your take on Phillips' primary challenge because we've seen biden get primaried from the left in terms of um you know robert f kennedy well i guess robert f kennedy's now gone a bit more to the center maybe to the right and then of course oh, he's an independent Marian- now yeah independent now yeah Marion williamson cornell west now uh, running with um not under the democratic no, banner but
9: he's definitely julia making an appeal uh to yeah. not just centrist democrats but to centrist republicans and he talks about that in my interview i also just wanted to point something Thing out that he said because I asked him a lot about the crisis in the Middle East right now. He is one of a handful of Jewish congressmen. Um, mm. He condemned remarks by and he named her Congresswoman Rick, uh, uh, Talib uh, about mm. her comments blaming Israel uh, for the attack on October seventh. Um, he said these kind this kind of rhetoric from the far left wing of the party and the far left wing members of Congress. He called them reprehensible. Um, and I, I think that right now in this time of real tension, um, you know, on the streets of our cities and on the campuses across our country, when we are seeing massive demonstrations leading to a lot yeah. of, of incidents of violence and, and anti-Semitism and targeting Palestinian-Americans, it's a really tense moment. And I, he's very strong about think, saying that he thought that kind of rhetoric was, was irresponsible. Hmm. Kevin,
4: we gotta, we got to run real quick, but can you can make some noise? Yeah, uh, I doubt it. Uh, real quick a question, maybe to Elizabeth. I did uh, In the interview, uh, Blake mentioned $124 million uh, he's worth. Yeah. I wonder if he uh, indicated is he going to self-fund some of that? Uh, he you says know, he's not going to uh, you know, self-fund.
9: He, for now, huh. he says he's not self-funding, but he definitely did Liar. dip into his bank <laughs> account. <laughs> Come on, you guys, to get the ball rolling. <laughs> um, he, he's, listen, Statistic. you guys, name recognition is going to be a huge issue yeah, for him. That's Most, true. It, yeah, so you know. He's got Got a, he's got a long way to go, but like All I right, think well, Mick looking- just put it, it might start. It might be the Dan that starts to break here.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, Elizabeth, looking forward to that in about uh, six minutes' time. Elizabeth Vargas reports. Thanks, guys. Six o'clock Eastern. Elizabeth, thank you, and we'll be, we'll be right back after the break. Just about anything, but. The technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty.
1: Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more.
0: Call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down.
1: Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and more. 800-406-5171.
0: All right, so before we go, former president, returning to the mound tonight, George W. Bush will throw out the first pitch for the World Series opener between the the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, the 43rd president. who's also the former owner of the Rangers. uh, Has thrown out some some first pitches throughout the years, even dating back to the arguably most famous one in the 2001 World Series in New York right after the 9-11 attacks. George W. on the mound again tonight. It can um, be easy to do it.
5: I'm, I'm sure he's practicing. Yeah. Uh, the, the word around the White House was that he went to Camp David for a good solid week before that, <laughs> that pitch in 2001. Because, again, he's not going to just wearing, be, not yes. only has he got 20 years on him, he's going to have, probably have a flak jacket, some type of protection. This is a really, really hard thing. The guy throws a strike at his yeah. age with that background. I'll be impressed.
0: If I gave you – if, if you had the option to throw out the first pitch in a World Series, would you take it? Or would you be so darn nervous? That you I, think, think,
4: I think I would have Anthony fauci did, but uh, uh, <laughs> I uh, the be way when he yeah. did uh, yeah. with the Nats. Game, so yeah. I'd probably Just pass on it. Don't
0: bounce but. it. Yeah, Whatever you can't you bounce do, it. Don't. Mr. President, it. don't bounce it. All right. <laughs> no, Thank you know. all I for being right here. Right. I appreciate <laughs> it.